people arrived since I sat down the front. <laughs> and it's nice to see you. Yes, it is. As I, um, as I thought about what we we're going to share today, in leaving 2018 and entering 2019, I spent some time praying about it because I've spoken either on the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the new year, actually for a few years now. It's my annual message, you know. <laughs> what was that? Stay the nation. Stay the nation. No, when you're older, it takes a year to make up a sermon. <laughs> um, and every time I've I've spoken, I've kind of presented to you one way or another. The, the thought of um, let's say goodbye to the old year and let's see what comes in the new year and that there are seasons in both years. And um, so we look back and then we look forward. And in looking back, we look at the bad and the good and the positive and the negative and the, the seasons of joy and sorrow and we forgive people for the past year and we forgive ourselves as well. And then we leave it in God's unchanging hands and we look towards the future. And in looking towards the future each year, I've endeavoured to help us to anticipate the different seasons of the coming year. And all that I, if you were here last year, all that I sort of said has happened. The good, the bad, the sad, the good, you know, just it's all happened. Um, And it might have happened in your life as well. Um, we've got the children up front as well, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> anyway, um, and I'm hoping that as we go after the messages that I've given, that we'll just leave the building feeling we can do this. Yeah. We can do this. Um, and like if you remember last year, I spoke about there will be bread tomorrow. And uh, that just means that God is with us. And that's fabulous. Don't worry, cat, they're fine. <laughs> Welcome to church here, by the way. Yes. If he spoke more quietly, it probably would be good. <laughs> yeah. But this time I didn't want to go into the same thing. Um, because even though those messages had some value, they, um, you've heard them. You understand. I've given you a brief rundown. And so I sort of thought, well, what? I thought, who goes to church on the first day of the year? Well, the people that go to church on the first day of the year are those who have said in their heart, I'm going to make it better this year. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to um, try and do it better than I have before. Yep. And so those people are very welcome. I honour them. But I said to myself, who goes to church on the last day of the year? Why would you bother? <laughs> Why would you bother? I thought, um, so thank you for coming, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> and I think as well, my niece, Fiona Knox, because Knox was my maiden name, Fiona Knox is listening from London. How about that? 
So that's fabulous. I didn't know she was going to do it last year, but she did, and I'm trusting Fiona's doing it this year. So welcome, Fiona. But who's coming this year? You probably went to church on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, and that was fabulous, wasn't it? And everyone else is on holiday. Whether they're away or not, it's quite immaterial. They're on holiday. But today, you got up, had breakfast, got dressed, organised yourself, and here you are. Welcome, Pond. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's early for you. It's great. And here you are. Why did you come? And I figured out that these are the people who are hungry for more of God. These are those people. So that tells me that I've got the cream of the crop here today. <laughs> the best of the best, the hungry people, the people who want more of God. And I'm so thrilled. Like I said, welcome. <laughs> yes. And it's a privilege that I have to be with you here. This year I feel like I've got much older. Funny that, but there you go. I've got older. And the aches and pains... They just don't go away the same, and they may be a bit more persistent. Um, I get a bit tired by the end of the day, and to paraphrase Psalm 90, it's not much fun living beyond 70 and 80. <laughs> there was a pastor, and he, he um, actually, I've been through this sermon and taken out all the stories, but I'll just tell you one, because <laughs> I just want a certain length of time. Uh, you might have heard this one before, but there was a pastor who visited an elderly couple. And he, um, he said to them, he sat very seriously with them, and he said to them, look, it's time you were thinking about the hereafter. And the lady piped up and she said, oh, pastor, I think about it all the time. He said, you are? He said, oh, yes, I go to the bathroom and I think, what am I here after? And I go to the laundry and I think, what am I here after? <laughs> Sometimes I even go to the shop and I think, what am I here after? <laughs> Not quite what he had in mind, but that's the stage we're at. And this, so this, on this day, who knows, maybe if, it, if the hereafter comes my way this coming year, this might be my last sermon. So then maybe it's the day to tell you my life story. You think you're going to be gone in half an hour, but I've got... <laughs> <laughs> There's another three hours to go. <laughs> nah, you don't want to hear my life story today. I'll tell you what would be interesting is your life story. If you look at you and think of your life story, what has God done in me? If I was up in there and I had the microphone on and all the people were a captive audience, what has God done for me? What would I be saying? What has he rescued you from? What is he, um, what, how has he actually led you to buy the red car or the blue car? To buy the two-story house or the single, well, it's probably your finances that's done that one. But, yes, how has God actually led you? And you and him can have that relationship. How does it feel, and I love this part, how does it feel when you take time just to hang out with him? Yeah. Maybe it's with music, maybe it's reading your Bible, Maybe it's just conversational prayer. What do you think of this, Lord? And if you, if you really want an answer, he'll tell you. What should I do here? What do you think about that? It's conversational prayer, back and forth. The kids are leaving the auditorium as we speak. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, here they come. We're okay. Back again. <laughs> Good. Isn't that nice? And what has he called you to? Go on again. What is your passion? What is, sometimes I'm talking to teenagers, and I say to them, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. What is your passion? What is deep inside that you really love doing? And actually, it seems quite easy because you love it. And that's the area that you want to talk to God about because that's where he leads you and guides you. So often I find young people don't know what their passion is, and that's pretty difficult. But you can have time with God just asking what your passion is. Because it seems likely that this morning here I've got people who are hungry, I feel like it'd be great if we could all see in front of us the next steps, a pathway that would take us into 2019. I wish it was 220. That kind of sounds better, doesn't it? But anyway, 2019, we've got to live this one first. But how can I know what your next step is? And if I did know your next step, how could I impart it to you? There's so many people here. Well, I, I don't know your next step, and I can't just speak it out to you. But as I speak to you this morning, you could identify your, for yourself with God, what your next step is, what is growth, where do I go from here, how can I change things, what, how can I make it better? Jesus said in John 16, 13, he, that is the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. Yeah. Isn't it fabulous? Yeah. He will guide you into all truth as you're meditating, as you're thinking. So I just want to read you a scripture here. I see it a bit like a stairway this morning, and what, I, what God has given me here is uh, from First Peter, Second Peter, I'm sorry, chapter one, and um, I'll start at verse three. It's all good, but I'll start at verse three. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvellous glory and excellence. That's amazing. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable, empower you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence. Okay, supplement your faith. So the first thing is faith. Amen. Supplement your faith. Um, well, I think just being here this morning shows that we have a deep sense within us that God is real that God is a reality. That's faith. That's faith. It says in Hebrews 11.6, those who come to God must believe firstly that he is, and secondly, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's lovely, isn't it? So you've got to believe that he is, he exists, that's faith, and that he'll look after you. He's good. Like we were singing, he's a good, good God. Okay, first step that we're on, it's faith. Then supplement your faith, this faith that you've already got, you've already got it, 
with a generous provision of moral excellence. Now, I would have thought, when I read this through, I would have thought this was the last rung of the ladder. This is the top. If I can achieve moral excellence, <laughs> oh, I'm ready for heaven. <laughs> I can die happy. If I can achieve moral excellence. And this, um, when I first became a Christian, I was about 14. So I'll just tell you, that's 60 years ago. <laughs> a long time ago. But it's still a novelty. It's still a nice thing. It's still something I love to do. So, actually, Christine there. Hi. <laughs> well, I have got to rent a crowd, haven't I? <laughs> Thank you. That's great. I first became a Christian when I was 14, and I had no idea of sin. The sin, I didn't really know all about all of that. I was just, I was very, just an ordinary girl in, in those days, 1960s. And it was, um, sin was not part of what I thought about. It was, I wanted to do the right thing. I could see my life spread a long way in, ahead of me. And I thought, what I want is to live a good life. And I want it to be worthwhile. It's just, I just get one. And I want it to be a good, a good one. And I want it to be useful. And then I heard about God and I thought, wow, then you do things with eternity's values in view. Now that would make life good. And I gave my life to him. I said, let's do this, as it were. Actually, I rode around on my bike in Ashburton saying, Lord, please make me a Christian. Lord, please make me a Christian. Lord, please make me a Christian. And one day, I mean, this went on for days, and one day he said to me, stop asking to be a Christian and start acting like one. Okay, okay. <laughs> I get the message. Um, and then as time went by, shall we see where we're at here? Uh, so I was about 14, and later on, um, I left home, I came to Christchurch, I joined a church, I went nursing, I got married and had children. Time went by. I did things. Um, and at one point, I became very aware of sin. It was a... I was taught, I was wrongly taught, but I was taught that um, uh, it's called sinless perfection. That is, any time you sin, you've lost your salvation. The moment you sin, you're going to go to hell. And it's very hard to live like that, I can tell you. And I was, I was, well, I've got to get serious about this and I've got to do this right. So, one um, time, if you sin, you're no longer saved but are immediately condemned to hell. It was very strict and I found it a huge struggle. I abound, abandoned all worldly pursuits. I grew my hair long. I wore somber clothing. I laughed quietly, if at all. I worked at doing what I was told to do was right. I uh, didn't go to movies. We didn't do dancing. We went, didn't go to shopping malls. We didn't go to the, <laughs> to the swimming pool. We didn't wear makeup or jewelry. I was really good. <laughs> Yet still in my mind, in my mind, was criticism and loneliness that led to self-pity. And even envy and lies. and There was still, um, it wasn't moral excellence. There was still the, the problems there. 
And the lies were like exaggeration or hyperbole and um, maybe even some bad language. Just the, the scripture says, and I knew it, let your speech be always seasoned with grace. And I knew mine wasn't. So I never seemed to be free, not really free. And I wanted this moral excellence. It was far away. And then one morning, um, I read in Genesis 4 and 7. I, I read the scriptures a lot, but I read there, God is speaking to Cain, and he said, you will be accepted if you do what is right. Great, great. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, its desire is for you, and you must master it. Oh, I was horrified. I was horrified. That scripture is still very real to me. Sin is crouching at the door, its desire is for you, and you must master it. I felt, I felt really lost and forsaken. Like I couldn't leave the room, could I? It's crouching at the door. And I must master it. But I was without hope. I knew I couldn't. This struggle tormented me for quite a while. Quite a while. If I'd, gone to a, if I'd been free to go to a home group or a connect group or a ladies group, I could have said it to somebody and they could have helped. I really think that these connect groups are good things that we have. But I wasn't going to anything like that. So what could I do? And I genuinely wanted to do what was right and pleasing to God, but it seemed impossible with the things that I was thinking about. And um, I, said, uh, I said before, the Holy Spirit is given to lead and guide us into all truth. And clearly, I was not living in a place of peace and joy, so I was not in all truth, all truth. Some, somehow, God led me because only God could lead me. I couldn't talk to anyone about this. Somehow, God led me to read Romans 8. I just want to quickly touch on this. Romans 8, there's a few verses here. The whole chapter's great, but I, I better not take that time. But here it says, so I was worried about this thoughts going on in my mind. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Oh, oh, I kind of get something here. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Whatever comes to your mind, you're under no obligation to do it. Just because you think it doesn't mean to say you have to do it. Or, you have, or that it's right, or it's a real leading, or anything like that, you're under no obligation. Wow, circle that. I'm free of what my mind's thinking about. For if you live by the dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Wow, there's hope in all of this. And I got some hope out of that one. Um, it was kind of in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Sin could no longer crouch at my door. I could be an overcomer. I could be an overcomer, depending on what I permitted myself to think about. So you could reject it or accept it. And you know, this still applies to this day. If I feel criticism coming, I reject it. I will not have it. 
I, um, it still applies, and I'm sure you, you all agree with that. You find it too. If something comes to tempt you, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Um, I think there's a problem these days with pornography. It's so in your face. If you want it on the internet, there it is. And um, thinking about it, well, you can't escape it. So it's a, these things are big deals, are a big deal. Yeah. yeah. But because God was there, because Jesus had died, because if I, if I dwelt in him and dwelt in thinking about him and meditating on his word and reading his word, then I could be an overcomer. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what I permitted myself to think about. Okay, so faith, faith is the first one, with moral excellence through Jesus is applied. His righteousness is me. What is the next rung of this ladder? Read on. So we've got here uh, Second Peter 2 and 5. So we've got um, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. Okay, so knowledge is the next one. And I realize now in that whole process of learning and growing into moral excellence, knowledge had also been added. It was like, in searching for one, I also gained the other, knowledge. I learned what the scriptures said. I learned the place of Jesus in my life. As you can, as we all can, this isn't news, but it's just showing that ladder. So, so moral excellence, and in that whole process of reading the scriptures and praying and focusing on God, I'd got a bit of knowledge along the way too, the value of the scriptures and the stories and so on. I sat in the Sydney airport just a few weeks ago and read through Ezra, amazing. He's horrified at the end of Ezra. There's a, he's horrified at the sin that their people have committed. And they said, now you're the leader, you've got to look after that. I mean, the scriptures. Isn't it fabulous? Um, knowledge. So knowledge has also been added. God leads us in a way that as we dwell on and struggle with one aspect, other supplements are also added. I had certainly grown in knowledge and the value of the scriptures in my daily life. So we've got, um, we've got this ladder, haven't we? What is it? We've got faith, moral excellence, knowledge. Let me think. Is there more? Let me see. <laughs> Second Peter 5. Moral, and to moral excellence with knowledge. Self-control. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I've picked up that one. I've picked up that one. <laughs> Control what you're thinking about. Control what you're actually doing. Yeah. Self-control becomes a part of you. Wow, this is gross. This is progress in the Christian life. Without even knowing it, it's happening. Supplement upon supplement. It's amazing. Okay, so we've got self-control. Hey, I think I've picked up some of that along the way. I was weak and trembling when sin crouched at the door. I was weak. Might be outwardly Christian, but my, I was weak. I was afraid of the criticism I had in my mind, criticism against others, the self-pity, the lies, the envy, even the bad language, the pride. But in the process of being fearful of that sin that crouched at the door and then learning from Romans there about it, and there's actually a lot of scriptures if you care to search them, 
Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, think about the things that please the Spirit. I was learning self-control. This thing's growing. This thing's growing. And it's almost without me doing much. It's going to get better. (laughs) Yes, okay. Sorry. (laughs) So then, if I have self-control, praise God. Can you see it's focusing on stepping forwards? God is leading and is progressing or growing us. So faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance. That's the next one that's come in from Second Peter here, is patient endurance. Now, did you imagine for a moment the journey of growth that I'm talking about towards God? God took place in six weeks. <laughs> took years. It took years. I'm looking back now, see, and it took years. Just a step-by-step-by-step thing. Um... And those years of what have built into me, I'm going to be Christian no matter what kind of years. I'm going to do it right no matter what, those kind of thoughts. That is patient endurance. Sometimes it's impatient endurance. (laughs) I wish I was okay already. (laughs) You know, how often, like, I don't know if there's too many people like me here, but how often do you go home, driving home, you think, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Start the patient endurance again. Just keep quiet when you should do. (laughs) If the enemy of of your soul can control your mind, moral excellence is far from your daily life. We do have an enemy. We do have an enemy. However, if you're prepared to reject the destructive thinking process and lean into the love and the power of God through Jesus, your true Christian life will become a constant practice. It'll be a practice, a place you can live in uh, with his peace, joy, and compassion. And if you can live in that, that is patient endurance. Next rung of the ladder. You got it? So we must be there by now. We must be there by now. Is there another rung? Yes. Next step, we're into verse 7 by now. All of this development and growth in your Christian life, of course, leads you to godliness. Oh, godliness. Wow. I think that's what I wanted when I was 14. I've noticed that you don't really wake up one day and think, oh, I'm so godly. (laughs) Somebody will soon prick your balloon. (laughs) Won't they, James? Or have you left already? (laughs) (laughs) they need to (laughs) that's why you have a life partner isn't it no you don't wake up one day thinking you're godly it doesn't quite work that way your hunger for God and reading the word and growing in moral excellence increases and at some point someone refers to you as godly somebody says it or writes it or it comes your way that you're godly. And in your spirit, in your innermost being, you realize that could be true. That could be true. Look what God's doing. That could be true. 
you can put aside ungodly thoughts and ways unknowingly, really, and unknowingly become godly. It's just one of those things. Now we must surely have reached the top of the ladder. Let me see. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Godliness, add to it, what more can there be? Godliness, what more can there be? There has to be something. There has to be something better than just looking pretty good in this life. There has to be something better. There has to be something better. Add to godliness, brotherly affection with love for everybody. Now we've got something to really hold on to. Brotherly affection with love for everyone. I think it's different up there. It says unending love. Can't do better than that. Unending love. That's amazing. Of course, the best thing of all is the love that we have for one another. I, I was a school teacher at one stage, just in my hodgepodge of life. I wasn't going to tell stories. Just quickly... <laughs> Quit it, Katie. <laughs> you all want ice creams afterwards. You don't want me here for three hours. But, but I had a, a class of boys, the first class I ever taught, at Hillview it is now, first class I ever taught was a class of boys who were about 11, 12, 13. And I was sitting out on a form outside and just waiting for, for when I was to go in and I was going to be teaching them uh, it was social studies. Anyway, I'm sitting out there and I'm expecting to go in. It was my very first class and I'm fully prepared. And, da, 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 da. and I was so nervous, I felt like I was going to cry. <laughs> you just want to present yourself as the best teacher around by crying in front of a bunch of 12-year-olds, <laughs> boys. And I thought, this is going to be terrible. Lord, you have to help me. And I'm going through the door into the classroom saying goodbye to the last teacher and, the, and standing up in front of these boys and I looked at these boys. And you know what God did? I loved them. <laughs> he gave me his love. I thought, what lovely little boys these are. I said, let's go and do something. And we went and watched the roadworks happening outside. That, that's social studies. <laughs> Seeing what's going on in the world around you. Yeah, that's what I reckon. Let's go and do it, fellas. And we did it. But the thing that has never left me is the love. You know, I stand up here this morning, and I never write the beginning of what I'm going to say, because I just know I'll look at you and love you. And something will bubble up from whatever's happened. It's the love that really projects itself into your heart and mind. And so it's this ending love, an unending love. Of course, it's the best thing we have in here. Now, I was here the other night for the Christmas carols. I was sitting over here somewhere, and a bunch of people, big bunch of people. And the joy I felt and the love I felt, I felt a sense of belonging. And everybody I looked at, I just loved, oh, loved them. I just loved them. I thought, isn't this great? Isn't this great? You know? And it was, when I think about it now, it's so far from the criticism I would have previously had of thinking, hmm, hmm. It's so far from that. I don't even want that. I just love the feeling of being amongst this church on that night singing all these carols that we knew so well. It was fabulous. We have here amongst us this godly love. The love of God prevails. I hope you're enjoying it. You will when you get the ice creams. <laughs> yes, that was a fabulous night. 
And so um, it was like the love was flowing all around us, and I thought, this is fantastic. There was acceptance, there was enjoyment, there was heart bonding. It was great. And he, is, he it is who motivates our love. So, of course there is love. God is love. He fills his people with love. As you pray for your church family, the love increases. I actually, just quickly, I had a... Um, oh, thanks, Katie. <laughs> no, no, I had a... Um, years and years ago, I was very isolated. And there wasn't, I wasn't even allowed to pray in church or anything. And so I, but I prayed. I knew that God and I had a real relationship and nobody could stop me from praying, so I used to pray. And then gradually as the praying grew, I thought I should start praying for people, not just praising them, but actually make it focused. And who should I pray for, Lord? And the Lord said to me, pray for so-and-so. And this was a girl who had a speech impediment. I've told this story to some of you already. She had a speech impediment. And she worked in a shop. Now, how hard is it to work in a shop with a speech impediment? I thought, well, she's pretty good to do that, you know. So I started praying for her. And the following week, as I was going up a back area into the church, she was away up at the door there, and I was just entering this pathway. And I said, uh, and I saw her. I saw this girl I've been praying for. I said, hello. And she said, hello. And I knew she wasn't the least bit interested in me. (laughs) And and I realized later, God's made me love her because I'm praying for her. See that? She didn't love me because she hadn't been praying for me. Because she's busy. She's working. I'm not asking for that. But I knew that God had done a work in my heart by um, putting her name on my, on my heart to pray. And what he'd done is he'd made me love her. And so as we pray for each other, as we care for each other's burdens, as we journey together, God will give us a love for each other. It works. Don't ask me how. Is it, well, it's the Spirit of God, isn't it, moving amongst us. So, yes, no more nods from you, thanks, Katie. Let's go on. <laughs> so, um, God will give us love for each other as we pray for one another. What has it really meant? What has really meant something to you this morning as you go home? My message today is to let's go into 219 hungry to grow as God led us to. You heard that, didn't you, Mike? Your journey will be different from mine, but a journey awaits you as you go forward. It will be different from mine. It may not start with sin crouching at the door, but it will. It, there is a journey for each one of us. So as you go home, you could think about starting, starting asking God questions. Ask him to take you on a journey, to take you on a journey into 2019. Not just to go into it. And, I mean, James and I, for many years now, we go to bed on, at the night and we wake up and it's a new year. <laughs> and we haven't got the headaches and we haven't not dead tired. We've just slept into it. <laughs> and we can sleep into the new year too. But let's just try and have a journey with God, a, more of a godly focus. Take me somewhere, in my heart, in my mind. Nobody knows what you're doing. Nobody knows when you're sitting reading the scriptures on your phone. Nobody knows when you're praying. It's just there. You can do the journey inwardly. Outwardly, it might eventually show. If you want to begin this journey or progress more, we'll gladly pray for you as the service ends. But wait, there's more. 
But wait, there's more. Because in Second Peter, the verse before I started reading all this is verse 2. Verse 2. And I've got it there, but I think I've got it here as well. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Before the ladder even begins. Before that, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Before you even begin the ladder, may he give you more and more grace and peace. That's what we want. As you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Ah, my beloved friends, go safely with God into the new year. God bless you.